Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And after getting off the phone with Bill Orham just a few minutes ago from the Orange County Register to talk about the the late Sunday night firing of Byron Scott, we're now going to shift gears to the other conference and we're going to talk to another good friend, a former guest on the podcast, Jay King um, from Mass Live to talk about the insanity that has gone on in the Celtics-Hawks series, culminating with the Celtics tying the series of two games apiece with an overtime win in Game 4 earlier on Sunday. So, Jay, um, I, I know you write 50,000 things a day, so I'm sure you're still writing, but thanks for uh, thanks for coming up very early in the morning on Monday, East Coast time. And uh, I guess first, just what are your initial thoughts on, on a pretty wild weekend overall in Boston with uh, the Celtics getting back in this with a couple wins? As you said, you know, after Avery Bradley went down and the first two games were kind of a disaster, especially offensively, to win game three was, I mean, on top of Isaiah Thomas, was unreal. Then game four, Paul Millsap was outrageously good and couldn't be stopped. And the Celtics turned to Marcus Smart <laughs> to guard him. I mean, it was just a wild game. Celtics... Fell down 16. I mean, what a comeback. Then Teague, Teague should have been the hero. Didn't turn out that way. And Celtics pulled away in overtime. Just a fun, fun game to be at. It, it has been a fun series. I mean, the first two games were terrible, um, but they, they were still at least competitive for the most part. And, uh, you know, at least, you know, at least runs back and forth. Um, and, and in the, uh, the two games in Boston have been, have been completely nuts. Um, but let's, let's start with something before we get to game four uh, today, uh, the, you know, the big storyline of the weekend was, will Isaiah Thomas play in the game after appearing to punch Dennis Schroeder in the head on, uh, or in the face, I should say on Friday. Um, uh, it seemed like kind of the general feeling, at least among the beat guys was that he was probably going to get suspended. Um, at least from what I saw your guys tweets and from texting with you and stuff, um, how surprised was everybody that he didn't get suspended for that game? It was a surprise, especially after, you know, Stu Jackson goes on NBA TV and he says this is basically as clear as it gets. He's going to get a one-game suspension. And then the Celtics got the good news. And Thomas, amazingly, still claims he had no intention I know, of, which of is just hitting hilarious. Dennis Schroeder. I know. Hilarious. Which, I mean, hilarious. It, it looked pretty clear he tried to hit the guy in the head. Well, and they just, they'd just they been going at it two minutes before. It wasn't like it just came out of left field that, oh, I'm just going to pop this guy. Like, I mean, I don't know. The whole thing was <laughs> the whole thing was very silly. But with that being said, Isaiah, had, Isaiah scored 42 or 40 on Friday? 42. 42. He scores 42. <laughs> Drags them to a win um, in a in a wild game in Game Three, comes back with twenty six tonight. Um, you know, I, I guess my thought on that game, and I, I want to get into a couple specific things, but I just feel like when I watch these games, that the Hawks are losing these games even more than the Celtics are winning them, and that's not to try to knock. What Isaiah had a couple great games, and Marcus Smart had a huge game today, which we're going to talk about, but like. Down the stretch of that game, it, especially in regulation, it just felt like the Hawks were getting a wide-open shot on every single trip, and they were just clanking them. 
mean, Al Horford getting wide open mid-range jumpers. Kyle Korver getting like, I felt like seven wide open threes in the fourth quarter, missing all of them. Um, I don't, I don't know what you thought. I mean, it may, I think the crowd probably should get a, a big assist for that. It was a, I mean, it wasn't at the game, but it just was a wild atmosphere. Um, just listening. It was a great, great, to, great game to watch from that standpoint. Um, but I guess what are, what are your thoughts on that from being there and kind of watching the game, knowing the Celtics are under man as it is? Um, you know, like I, I guess how do you how do you view that in terms of of how these last couple of games played out? I think part of it, obviously, a lot of open shots. I think part of it is the playoffs. Guys get exposed when they don't have confidence, and obviously, I'm not talking about Corbett. That guy will never lose confidence in his shot, but. Guy like T, he's not a natural shooter. He's a he's a good shooter. He can absolutely knock down shots, but he doesn't want it as badly as a lot of other guys do. Schroeder, he's turned himself into a pretty good shooter. Same thing though. Can base more, and when the sixteen point started to disappear, it, it seemed like those guys got a little tight, and even the open shots turned into tough ones, and it's kind of. That that happens, I guess. In playoff basketball, I, I really do feel like it exposes the guys who aren't completely confident in their shots. You know, Teague, before hitting the two big threes, he, he still finished four for 18. Schroeder was, was a mess out there. That's the thing. You look at their whole box score, all these guys missed a million shots. I'm looking up the exact box score now. I should have had it up already. And and I, I, I feel like a lot of these shots were open shots. Like, in the fourth quarter, I'm going to look up what they shot in the fourth quarter as I'm doing this, but I... It just felt like they missed ten wide open shots the last six minutes of the game, and you know you come down the other end and listen. This is fully to the credit of the Celtics, right? Every time, every time the Celtics got an open shot late, they they would knock it down. Um, you know they they would get um, they would get uh, you know they would get they would get a shot for. You know, for Jonas Jerebko in the wing, and he would hit it. Marcus Smart hit a couple open threes, even though he can't really shoot. Like their guys stepped up and made shots, and in the in the Hawks, you know, look at I mean, look at their box score. Kent Bazemore two for ten, Al Horford two for eight, Kyle Korver three for eleven, Jeff Teague four for eighteen, Dennis Schroeder three for thirteen. I mean, Paul Millsap was incredible, and and they still, I mean, they they just they just I I just couldn't believe how many open shots they missed, but. But you know, even though you just completely destroyed the 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 Hawks with that with that answer that basically none of them want it, um, maybe 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 that's maybe that's the best. But, but but you know, I mean, it's harsh, but it might be true. I mean, you know, it, that might that might just be the truth of it. I mean, the fourth quarter, Al Horford was zero for four, Kyle Korver was zero for two. You know, I mean, uh, Teague hit those two threes at the end, but he had missed his first two shots. I mean, until yeah. then, their their guys were like a combined what. One for or two for I guess two for nineteen before that last sh- for those last two shots. I mean, yeah, it's not and, get it done. And Corver Cor- said this too. He said we were just out of whack. He said we tried to feed Millsap because he was going, and they had Smart on him, and they they went to kind of ISO ball, and the Hawks never go to ISO ball. And I, I think that throws the guys a little out of kilter. You know, when when you're used to the free flowing offense and the beautiful offense that they normally play, sharing the ball, getting everybody involved. And then the game kind of grinds to a halt and you're just feeding one guy and everybody else is just spacing out. Those are different shots and there's a different rhythm to those shots. And then, then you throw into it, the leads disappearing and it's the fourth quarter and the crowd's going bonkers. 
and the Celtics, for as many open shots as the Hawks had, the Celtics seemed like they're entered, like they were flying around, and 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 it just for whatever reason the Hawks have missed a lot of open shots in this series. And normally, I, I think it's it's a, a lot of the Celtics are getting the guys they want to shoot open shots, shooting them, and those guys have been kind of reluctant to do so. But yeah, I mean, Corver, that one Corver took where he up faked and someone ran by and he was wide open. Yeah, and Al Horford missing mid range jumpers. Like Al Horford's one of the probably the best mid range shooters in the whole league. Like he got that he got that one pass. I think Millsap got doubled. You know. And I'm not trying to not mark as smart. He did a nice job on him down the stretch, but like they, he he bodies him up and he hits Horford in the in the corner, like 15 feet away. It's a money shot for Al Horford. Clangs it, you know. Then then Marcus Smart comes down and buries a three. It's like it's like just I watch these games and I'm just I'm just like this makes no sense. None of this makes any sense. Now let's let's now i i didn't i don't want to try to make this seem like i i i'm just totally ripping on the celtics so i, I want to and i don't mean to rip on the hawks either. no but but you're right <laughs> i mean that might be what it is though like i mean look if you fundamentally look at this series the hawks have way more talent than the celtics like they had more talent probably at the start of the series anyway and that's before jay crowder's not at 100 percent with a high ankle sprain that's before avery bradley's out for the series with a hamstring injury um, you know, it's just it, they they have more talent. Al Horford and Paul Millsap are better players than anybody on the Celtics. I don't think anybody would argue that. So it is it is just amazing to see the Celtics hanging in there like this. And you know, at, to that point, I, I think Brad Stevens has made a couple really nice adjustments. I remember we were texting after Game Two, just going like, "Man, these guys can't can't shoot. Like, what are they going to do to to try to get any kind of offense going?" and I thought that he had to start Jonas Jerebko to try to get them some extra shooting. He did that. And I, I think the even more interesting thing is that he's really started playing Isaiah Thomas off the ball a lot because he's the basically the only guy left who's even an average shooter, and he's not much more than an average two-point shooter, but he still is at least somewhat of a threat. And by putting the ball a lot more in a guy like Marcus Smart's hands, it seems like that's kind of given them at least a tiny bit of space between him and Jerebko being out there to have some more room to work I mean would you agree on those adjustments and as somebody who's, who's watching closer what are what are some other things you've seen that have that have uh, you know in terms of game playing that game planning that has allowed Boston to get back in this thing yeah and another thing that putting Jarebko into the starting lineup did was now they can switch on to Teague and Jarebko's done a pretty good job staying in front of Teague and turning him into a contested jump shooter whereas you know, when they were starting Jared Sollinger, that's not an option with him, and it's not always an option with Amir Johnson either. So Drebko switching has been a big deal. The Hawks try to counter that by just telling Millsap to be a brute. And, and it worked and, for most of the game. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. The, the Celtics had to switch Drebko off him, and Drebko looked like he was going to be the GOAT of Game 4 for a while because the Hawks just told Millsap to pick on him. But, you know, in, in the end... The Celtics went crazy and put Smart on Millsap instead, and Jarebko turned into again. First time he's had two consecutive double doubles since 2010. Crazy. And the the last time he did it was against a Knicks team that had started David Lee and Tracy <laughs> McGrady. Wow, Tracy McGrady, which That's is crazy. A, now that is a, that is a that is a stat. That is something. Wow. Yeah. So that that. That adjustment has been huge, and like you said, Isaiah off the ball, he had 42 in in game three, and hit 
took more three pointers than he took in any game all season because they were just using pin downs and he was firing the ball. And then game four, again, a lot of Isaiah off the ball. And he, he's so good when he has even a little bit of space. And that's all he needs. That, that last play of regulation, when he tied it, it looked like he was wide open. You know, he went in <laughs> the wide open layup. There were two Hawks converging. It was Horford and Bazemore, two really long guys. And he just kind of split, split. It was like magic. He split them somehow. I don't know how he did it. And it turned into a pretty easy one. But Isaiah's been electric. He, he's just, he's like a miniature James Harden almost with like, like a dash of Iverson's relentlessness. Oh my God. And obviously, enough, I'm not comparing. Enough, him to, enough, I, enough. I'm not comparing. No, him we, to I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to stop you. I'm not. I. This is. This has nothing to do with you. I. 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 I have a lot of Celtic friends, and they are going crazy about Isaiah Thomas. And I understand why they're going crazy about Isaiah Thomas. He's had a great season. He's having a great series. I look at Isaiah Thomas, and this is a broader thing for me. I look at Isaiah Thomas as a guy who's a good player who's in the completely perfect scenario for him. He, he, he's on a team where he needs to have the ball in his hands all the time, and they are happy. Like, I, you know, I think you said before the podcast, um, you know, he's got the, the greenest of lights to shoot the ball. And um, it, 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 it just seems like more than like him becoming this game-changing star for them, as you know, a guy that they can get one more player and become a real contender, it it just feels to me like this is like the perfect synergy of everything coming together. And this guy, even if it's just for a season, has kind of been lifted to a level higher than maybe he ever could have gotten to. So I was just oh. curious, as a guy who sees him every day, if that's just total New York cynicism on my part, or if there, or if there's some truth in your eyes to that. Last year, I kind of looked at it the same way. And when he was coming off the bench, and they were playing almost gimmicky small lineups with Crowder at the four and Jarebko at the five throughout most of the season. And that just opened up all kinds of space for Thomas. I didn't know if he could do it in any situation. This year, he's done it with Jared Sollinger, Amir Johnson, Evan Turner, Marcus Smart, all playing big minutes. There hasn't been much space. It's not. I don't think the perfect scenario for him anymore. He's had to do it. I guess more what I meant is that he's like, to me, because he's not obviously going to be very good on defense because he's five, eight and he, and he, he just feels like a guy that needs the ball all the time. And this Celtics team is set up for him to, it's kind of, I mean, you mentioned Iverson to me, this Celtics team kind of reminds me of what the Iverson Sixers were like where it was like everything about that team was geared around Allen getting 30 shots a game. So, and, and that all just kind of worked that way. I mean, so do you do you think that if this is kind of a similar thing or is he or or is or is it or is it not quite like that and it's something different? I think under any circumstances he's a dynamite offensive player. I think the Celtics as you said, it's been the perfect scenario. In Phoenix he was a third guard behind Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, and, you know, even though we've talked about uh, in this podcast about how well he can play off the ball, he just needs more opportunities. And and Phoenix wasn't going to get that. Right. Uh, With the Celtics, yes, it's been the perfect situation for him to blossom. Yes, it's been – they needed him as much as he needed them. 
But still, I mean, this guy is dynamite. And he sure the is Hawks something. The, the Hawks have the number one defense. If if you can't trust him as a player after he's averaging 28 points per game through four games against the number one ranked defense after the All-Star break, what, what does he need to do? No, and, and, and to be clear, I, I I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that he's a bum either. I, I'm absolutely not saying that. I think he's a good. I think he's a very good player. I, I'm not. I I want to make that very clear. I do. I do not think Isaiah Thomas stinks or is like some mirage. I don't think that. I just. I just want. I like. To me, he seems like a guy that made the All Star game this year and probably will go back to not making the All Star game in the future, but have a good career and be you know a good a good to very good player. Do you agree with that, or do you think that this is a guy? that has become a four- to five-time All-Star? I think... I mean, I'm not trying depends. to put you on the spot. I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, no. He has... He's a type of guy... I don't know. There, there's just some weird belief he has in himself that, that almost makes me believe in him more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he like, like, that guy has never doubted himself for a second. And right. he does always seem to get better. But I, I do think... You know, part of it might depend on the the situation. If if the Celtics go out and grab, you know, star X and star star Y, then who who knows? The situation might turn drastically different. I think he has the talent, and I mean, he's an absolutely dynamite offensive player. Watching him every night, there's not right. a defense that can stop him. Right. And even though he's five nine, he's turned into the type of player who can do it against anybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if he makes. A lot of teams after this. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the the situation changes and maybe he's not quite the same with a different cast of guys. Right. No, and that and that's and that's totally fair. And like I said, I wasn't. I just. I mean, when you said that he's a comment, when he has some James Harden and some Allen Iverson in him, I just I had to stop because I that's that I just been getting bombarded with texts from South uh, friends I, well, today. Just, just, going just to crazy. clarify, just to, just to cl- clarify that <laughs> by by the by the miniature Harden thing, I just mean. I know he what you mean. Take, I wasn't he trying takes to say threes. He gets to the hoop. Yes. He gets to the line. I wasn't. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to say. <laughs> I, I knew what you were saying. I wasn't trying to say that you thought he was a combination of James Harden and Allen Iverson. I, that I, might have been my my Tommy Heinsohn moment. <laughs> though, so. Oh, by the way, by the way, I I have to bring. I can't. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad you clarified that because I to be clear, I I knew you weren't trying to say that he was like the world's greatest player of all time. Um, so I, I I'm glad you said that, but. Can can we talk for a minute about Tommy Heitzen saying that Al Horford stinks? Can can we talk about that? Like, if Al Horford, who the Celtics would desperately love to sign this summer, if if the Celtics signed Al Horford, like how fast would Tommy Hansen turn him into Kevin McHale? Like, I mean, he called Greg Steensman the next Bill Russell, so, <laughs> so I suspect he'd find a soft spot in his heart for Al Horford. <laughs> I mean, I was just dying about my, that. No, and I love my Tommy, favorite though. I, I don't on. know if you know about this. One of the the biggest sports radio personalities in Boston said Millsap was kind of a stiff. <laughs> Millsap. Oh, really? Kind of, kind of a stiff. Well, name him. Who said that? I didn't. Know, um, I didn't see Mike that. Felger. Mike oh, Felger Mike Felger did. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look. No offense to Isaiah Thomas. The two best players in the series are on the Hawks. By a, I think by a decent margin. I mean, Paul Millsap and Al Horford are awesome players. Two-way bigs that could shoot threes, play defense, pass the ball, like handle the ball. Just, just unbelievable players. And, and I, you know what? Like, 
I I look at the talent on these two teams, and I wonder I wonder what it would look like if it was switched. Like I I really was thinking that today, watching this game, watching watching the Celtics find a way to get this win to even the series. You know, and and I, I feel bad even saying that because. I think Mike Budenholz is a good coach, and I, 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 like I said, I was kind of just staring at the TV, wondering how the Hawks kept missing all of these shots that were wide open. But I just look at it, and I do wonder what, what. I mean, if you took Jared Sullinger off the, if you swapped Jared Sullinger and Al Horford, like how much better are the Celtics? You know, you know what's weird is I, I literally, I, I was on, I forget whether it was on the radio or a podcast or something. I said the exact same thing. Imagine how good the Celtics would be if you put Millsap and Horford on them. Oh, they would be, be like, like the, the two perfect bigs for their system and for to lift their defense. And yeah, I, I, I've I've said that that exact same thing. I have it had me wondering too, and I don't know why I thought like I, like I never think oh just you just put those two guys on the team whatever. That's not something you usually think about, but in this case, they would be like the perfect, perfect fit for this Celtics team. Well, and it's weird too, man, because like coming into this series, I thought the Hawks are going to win in six, right? And the reason I thought they were going to win in six is I look at the two teams, and this is even before Avery Bradley got hurt, and it's like they're they're mirror images of each other, except the Hawks have more good players. Like uh, if you look at their starting lineups, I you know I you know Isaiah's probably a little better than T, but they're pretty similar. I mean, team made the all-star team last year. And, um, you know, the two bigs are better. I'd probably rather have Kyle Corford. So you're you're talking four out of the five guys in a vacuum you'd probably rather have. And they have a decent bench. And so I figured, all right, they're probably going to win the series. But you watch the games play out. And, you know, I think, I think you know, to your earlier point about the adjustments Stevens made, I, I think he's made some terrific adjustments in this series. And I haven't. You know, and maybe it is just a matter of the Hawks missing some shots. I haven't really seen some any any adjustments back the other way to counteract them. So, I, I guess with that as a lead-in, you know, as we as we get ready for Game Five, which is uh, Wednesday night, right? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday at eight thirty. Right. Uh, Tuesday at eight thirty. Um, what do you see from what do you see from the the from the Hawks from from just watching the series like? What do you what do you think they're going to do adjustment wise to try to counteract some of the stuff the Celtics are doing? I almost think it's on the Celtics to adjust in this case, which, which is weird because I mean Millsap went wild. I, I right. thought more than anything, I th- I thought Atlanta, Atlanta's adjustments worked better than than the Celtics did. The the, the, the specifically the, just letting Millsap go just, crazy when they did the switches. Yeah, having having Millsap just pound the Celtics inside and and just kill them and you know Celtics were fortunate <laughs> they were fortunate they put that huge run together they were fortunate the Hawks missed a lot of shots they were fortunate that Marcus Smart out of nowhere put together a marvelous fourth quarter offensively and defensively right, just draining draining threes in from all over the place yeah it's weird because he he, he had one of the worst most harmful shooting seasons of all time, given his, <laughs> his percentages right. and how many times he shot the ball. Right. But he has stretches where he, he goes like that, and he, he looks like a great shooter. And th- it's weird, but sometimes they happen at the best times, and that was one of them. So I almost think it's on the Celtics to adjust, because if you start Jarebko 
people on Millsap again, you might just get killed. If you start Amir Johnson on Millsap again, he killed him too. So how they adjust, I think, might even be more. more what do you What do you think telling? they do? Because they don't really have. I mean, I think they have to Pray. be playing. Well, well, I mean, well, it's funny. I, you know, I, I, I mean, you had said that earlier, and I guess I wasn't thinking about that about that that switch, or you know, how they attack that switch. That is a good point on the adjustments. Um, but do you do they do they? I mean, they are kind of limited. I mean, do you think the Celtics have an option to go to, or are they do they just have to kind of hope that either Millsap just doesn't make as many shots or that the Hawks just continue to miss the shots they're getting because they, they kind of are tapped out in terms of what they can do. I, I, well, I think I don't think Paul Millsap will ever play that well again. Uh, <laughs> That's probably I mean, fair. Frankly, he had an unbelievable game. so It was his career-high 45. Right. So Guys usually don't go for 45 and 13 on a daily basis unless they're will. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy to say he won't play that well again. Um, I do think Crowder is probably their best option on him, but you know, with Jarebko in the starting lineup, he's done a lot of good things. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how how quick of a leash Stevens has if Jarebko starts on Millsap again, or if Johnson starts on Millsap, because I do think those aren't the Celtics' best matchups. I think it's Crowder, but then you run the risk of running Crowder too thin. He's already hobbled on the ankle. He's playing a ton of minutes because of all the injuries. And, and the problem you know, too with going to Crowder too, Jay, right, is that they they would they would really just have no shooting. Exactly. Even, even, you if, need they, even if they go with Marcus Marcus Smart as more of the primary guy with the ball, um, I just think you know if you've got Crowder out there with with Evan Turner and Isaiah Thomas, I just I just don't know how you score because the the Hawks, you know, like you said, the Hawks have a really good defense, and they're just going to stand around the box in the paint and just say, "All right, go ahead." If we lose because you guys are bombing away on contested threes and Marcus Smart makes a bunch of them, you know, I guess we'll just have to say that, you know, you hit a bunch of shots. But, uh, you know, it's just – it is a – that is the amazing thing. Like, I just keep looking at the Celtics. I just – I just keep going, I don't know how they're going to figure this out. And then they they put together these runs seemingly every game and they storm back into these games and they – and they uh, – and they, and they win them and – um, it, it, it really is just kind of, it really just kind of defies belief as to what, uh, as to what they were able to do on a nightly basis. Yeah. And it's, it's like the weirder a basketball game gets, <laughs> the better they get. It's, it's like, like, oh, oh yeah, you're throwing a six foot three guard on an, all, on an all NBA big guy. It's like, yeah, that's, that's when the Celtics thrive or <laughs> like down 16, like that, that's when they make their runs. It, it They've been a weird team like that all year, where like they they make these they have these long droughts, they have these huge runs, and you never know when one or the other is coming. And as I said, like the weirder game gets, the better they are. And then you got Evan Turner making huge plays, Marcus Smart making huge plays, and they're they're just. They're a fun team, and they've they have been a fun team to watch this year. They sure are a fun team, man. I mean, you know, from Isaiah to like they've got all these trick or treat guys. You know, Bill Simmons coined the trick trick or treat with Tony Allen, but I mean, Marcus Smart's a definition of that guy. Evan Turner's a definition of that guy. Like they got they got a lot of guys that that some nights are going to go off for twenty five and ten, and other nights are going to be go two for twenty five. Um, you know it. They are a strange team. Now, to to your point, uh, we'll wrap this up pretty quick here. But 
Um, they have been a team that's had these kind of weird stretches that are kind of unexplainable all season long. And really, that's been the case almost, it feels like every game for the last five or six games, going back to the end of the regular season when they had that crazy comeback against the against the Heat. What What is it, and you know, maybe it is just the fact that they've got guys like Jay Crowder and, and Isaiah Thomas that are just kind of guys and that have been overlooked and, and doubted. And before you plug it later, which I hope you will again, you guys should really go read. Uh, Jay wrote an amazing uh, feature on Jay Crowder right before um, right before the playoffs started, right? Was it right yeah, before game yep. one? Yeah, it was a terrific, terrific story on Jay Crowder um, and how he kind of evolved into the player that he is. But, I mean, I don't know what it is, but it, it they are kind of remarkable in the way they've been able to, to, as you said, you know, kind of all year just manufacture these runs out of nowhere, even while not having really any, any guys that are going to be counted on to score big points for them on a nightly basis. It's been, it's been incredible to watch. Bill, first of all, thank you. And second of all, yeah, it, it's, I, I think part of it is just that they've been overlooked. Like Isaiah, for that guy will, he always talks about the chip on his shoulder. That guy's they the will, ultimate Boston guy, by the way, too, right? Like yeah, Isaiah yeah. Thomas, like little overlooked, you know, kind of chesty, very confident. Like he's like the if you're talking about like the perfect guy for Boston fans to just gravitate to. Like I don't think you could have drawn it up better than him. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's slapping five with the New England Patriots after big play. <laughs> <laughs> he's absolute perfect Boston guy, and actually a lot of them are like that. And oh, Crowder too. Yeah, they got a Crowder, lot of lunch pail guys. Jarebko, uh, Smart, just guys that have either come come up through really tough upbringings or have had NBA careers where they've just kind of been in been overlooked in one place or the other and now they're all getting their opportunity. I mean Evan Turner same thing, number 2 overall pick, like his career went south for a long time and now he's just kind of rejuvenated and having fun and all those guys are like that and so it doesn't really phase them when they get down. And they they do have now this belief that even when they get down, and it's kind of their their worst curse too, because you know they had four or five first quarters in a row where they were pathetic, and they just kind of thought, oh well, we can we can come back, and in a lot of cases they did, <laughs> but right, right, but they they do go through those droughts where it's just like, what are these guys doing? And then they, <laughs> then then they snap out of it, and and it's like, whoa, what are these guys doing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's so, that's probably the best way to describe this team. Yeah, one one way or the other, you're asking what are these guys doing, whether it's good or bad. Right, right. Just have to change the octave level. Now, <laughs> before before we let you go, because it's already late enough, and you need to go write more. Um, give me give me from your standpoint. You know, you kind of said that maybe it, it's kind of up to the Celtics to make some adjustments here. As we go into Game Five, what are what are the three things that you're you're really looking for to try to figure out? You know, who's going to come out of that game on top? I think Teague's confidence level is a huge thing. You know, as I said, I do think he's been reluctant to take open shots, and the Celtics have almost been daring him to take open shots and switching big guys onto him. And and he until that the end of that game four, he didn't seem like he wanted to to take advantage of them for that. So I think Teague's confidence level is a big thing. I think the adjustments to Millsap are going to be huge, and I think. Boston finding offense, especially when Isaiah Thomas is on the bench, because right now their their second unit is like 
they run out Evan Turner, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and it's just like three brutal shooters who you can sag off as much as possible, and there's just no space. And so I think that is a huge, huge question mark for them moving forward because they don't have home court anymore. They don't have the crowd to influence huge runs, and they're going to need to be, uh, I think, more consistent with their play on the road to get a W in Atlanta. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about quick, actually, since we we did talk about Isaiah before, and uh, you know he has been awesome for them, and he's been awesome all year. He was a, he was you know he deserved to make the All Star team. He's been great, um, even though I you know after I said that I don't know if he's necessarily a star earlier, but if you you know I I, I don't remember exactly what the number is. Maybe you. I was going to try to do it now. They really did get crushed whenever he he wasn't on the court, um, and I'm trying to see when he came back in. So he came back in. They went on a. It looks like they gave up a. Looks like they gave up eleven points the first time he was out. I mean, it, they they lost a lot of points when he was on the bench. Yeah. Is he there, was plus twenty one and a nine point win. Right. Okay. Right. So there you go. So the, obviously that that's a huge difference. So what do they? I mean, besides the fact that they might just have to play him forty eight minutes, basically. <laughs> I mean, which they might have to do. Um, is there anything that you think they can do to minimize or try to minimize what's going on when he's not on the court, or do they really just have to find a way to play him every possible second because there's just not much that Stevens can do to make up for the offense he provides when he's out there? I think if Kelly Olenek starts to get a little healthy, that'll change things a little bit. I, I think it's key to have Evan Turner out there because with Smart and Rozier, they don't have much ball handling or, or playmaking or penetration ability uh in that second unit but yeah when Isaiah's out they've when they haven't been healthy and Isaiah's out they've really struggled to score all season long and even dating back to last all-star break when they first acquired him and it's gotten ugly sometimes right so he's he's really 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 critical to them finding offense especially against the Hawks like this I mean imagine if he'd been suspended for game four Celtics might not have reached 50 so right Right. No, I didn't think they were going to get to sixty. I mean, when I thought that when I thought he was going to get suspended, I, I didn't think they were going to get to sixty. And look, today, I mean, they got, you know, they got I guess seventy six, you know, and in in Smart had twenty, you know, and Smart Smart might not score twenty game twenty in the next two games, you know. I mean, that's that's just not what he's about. Man, they are playing. I mean, everybody in this game played every minute. I guess because overtime, but four guys on each team. With uh, with forty minutes, so um, it should be fun. What before you go, uh, before before you plug, I should say, um, obviously two two series going back to Atlanta. What what was your call before the series, and what is your call now? Hawks in seven before the series. I've still got Hawks in seven. I I think it's going to be Hawks in seven too. I thought it was going to be Hawks in six, but after watching these two games at the Garden, I. I'm hard pressed to think that the Hawks are going to come back there and win. And as, and as a Celtics fan said to me earlier tonight, uh, well, every Hawks Celtics series goes seven games anyway, and they <laughs> they they were right about that, at least as far as I as I could remember. So, um, seven games for this series would be fun. But I'll tell you what, if the Celtics can somehow find a way to win Game Five, I think that series is over because I I do not see them losing Game Six at home in front of that crowd. I think that'll be uh I, I think that'll be theirs. So it should be uh it should be fun. Um Jay, thanks a lot for coming on. Like I said, please everybody read that 
that Jay Crowder story, but uh, you've been writing a ton of stuff that's good on this series. So um, tell the people where they can follow you on all the various social medias and uh, and also um, give them some other stuff to read besides the Crowder piece. Twitter, at by Jay King, uh, and then just masslive.com slash Celtics will have all my stuff. And, yeah, I try to stay busy, especially during postseason time. So I'll be updating it pretty often. Thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. No, of course, had fun. of course, man. Of course, man. I would, I, I, I can't believe you were still up this late, but uh, I'm, I'm happy, happy you were willing to do it. Um, you can, you can find me at Tim Bontemps or at Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. If I'm work on the Washington Post, uh, please give the podcast a five star rating and review. It helps helps us out a lot. Um, thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States, um, Massachusetts natives for the theme song, at least some of them. Um, so thank you guys for that. Uh, Jay, thanks again for the time and, uh, enjoy, enjoy what's been a really good series in a first round that hasn't had many of them. It should be a fun, uh, it should be a fun week. It's always, it's always fun to cover a, a six or seven game series, no matter what round it's, uh, the cool part of this job is kind of seeing how these series kind of undulate as they go along and, and, uh, yours has already had plenty of ups and downs. I'm sure I'll have a few more before it's over. No one game is like the next. <laughs> hey, one more, one more plug the rain and jays podcast man oh Everybody yeah that's right yeah plug that plug I, I always forget to plug i'm not good at plugging things so you're a I humble guy I, I talked over you a little bit though <laughs> tell tell people give, give a quick description of where they can find it yeah so search on itunes stitcher uh audio boom whatever basically any anything uh if you search for rain and jays and it's just a celtics podcast so check it out it's a good podcast. Listen to me speak. If you enjoy the Celtics at all, you should definitely listen to it. They, they, Jay, Jay does a great job with it. With um, you do it with John, right? Yeah, John Corrales. John Corrales, right? Yeah, they do a great job. It's a it's a fun listen, especially you know if you're if you're any kind of any kind of interest in the Celtics, you should definitely check it out. So, so thanks again for coming on, man, and uh, and and try to eventually get some sleep. All right. One day, man. <laughs> After the postseason is done, That's thanks right. for having me. Sure, man. All right, and thanks all you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.